podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast on Wednesday, the 25th of November. We are one month from Christmas, one month from Santa Claus, and one month from happiness and joy. But there's no happiness and joy today because that's not the brand here. Uh, We're brought to you, as always, by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is, of course, a VPN provider, so do check out their services at LibertyShield.com. Use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. I want to start today with a story of Gammon. Uh, Matt Law from, I believe, the Daily Telegraph uh, tweets out, Chris Chris Wilder, Frank Lampard and Dean Smith all did better jobs than Bielsa last season, but they're in English, so they're not allowed to be nominated or recognised. Bielsa has been uh, nominated for FIFA's Best Men's Coach of the Year. Um, very gammony tweet from Mr. Law. Um, look, I'll happily take the argument that Chris Wilder did a better job. That, that I cannot make any argument against. He finished ninth in the Premier League, massively outperformed expectations. It should be noticed, noted rather that they were poor after the restart, so that January, February were good, March okay. Everything after that, pretty dreadful and obviously dreadful so far this season. Frank Lampard in no way did a better job than Marcelo Bielsa. Uh, Frank Lampard took Chelsea backwards, and there's no other way to look at that. Less points, more goals conceded, worse, one nothing, bottled the cup final. Lampard took Chelsea backwards. He in no way did a better job than Bielsa. And Dean Smith, well, Dean Smith spent $100 million and stayed up because Hawkeye failed. So there's no argument to be made that Dean Smith did a better job either. Um, Bielsa did comfortably a superior job to both Lampard and Dean Smith. Like I say, I don't mind the Wilder shout. Wilder did a great job at Sheffield United and did outperform expectations. But Bielsa brought leads up, and that's an enormous achievement in itself. Now, yes, Wilder and, and Smith did so the year before, but what's a bigger achievement coming up staying up um not for me to say but like i said i'll go i'll go wilder before bielsa there's absolutely no argument that uh lampard and smith they like i'm surprised he didn't throw in eddie Howe. it's just a very gammony um tweet right um got a little bit of pushback over my laughter at jack Grealish and the idea of him costing a uh, hundred million so I thought I'd have a quick look at players who have cost uh, in the region of 100 million uh, before we laugh any further. So obviously Cristiano Ronaldo was in that kind of ballpark when he moved to Juventus from Real Madrid. Um, there's absolutely obviously no argument we made that Grealish is close to his level. Eden Hazard would be another one who's in that sort of ballpark. Uh, Usman Dembele was... At the time, very, very highly rated young player. But that was seen as a huge overpay. And that deal hasn't really worked out at all for Barcelona. Through injuries, attitude and 
other issues. It just hasn't worked. Uh, Barcelona strike again with Griezmann, but Griezmann was a proven world-class player at club and international level, had done it in the Champions League. Uh, Grealish has never played in the Champions League, has done nothing of note at international level, uh, so not to be compared to him. Uh, Jao Felix, 19 years of age, one of the biggest talents in the world. I think, I think Atletico have done well to get him for the long term. Phil Coutinho is probably the easiest comparison to make to Grealish in terms of style of play, position. Jack Grealish is nowhere near the level of Phil Coutinho. Nowhere near the level that Coutinho was at when Barcelona bought him. Uh, and then the top two are Mbappe and Neymar for obvious reasons. But Coutinho is the one to go by. And he was 105 million, which at the time was about 145 million euro. Uh, that was not including add-ons. But just to take that 105, they're talking about around 100 million for Grealish. There's just no comparison between the two players. Coutinho was world-class or borderline world-class. Jack Grealish just isn't. He's had a very good start to the season. There's absolutely no doubt. He's had a very, very good start to the season. But that's all it is, is a good start to a season. It's a run of form. He didn't play like this all of last season. He had spells like this. But he also had spells where he was a negative impact on his team. He plays one position off the left. You could play him as a number 10, but... In a 4-3-3, he plays one position, and the idea of paying that type of money for him is is truly laughable. When you can go and buy superior players for less money. I mean, Bayern Munich bought Leroy Sané for £50 million. And Leroy Sané is a much better player than Jack Grealish is at this point, and they're around the same age. So um, there's just there's no argument to me that Jack Grealish could be a £100 million player. It would be a, it would be a terrible signing. And speaking of terrible signings, so I got thinking about this last night. If United did sign him, because United, or sorry, if if City did sign him, because City he's been linked with, and he's obviously been linked with United as well, it's an enormous gamble, and he could turn out to be a disastrous signing, because he'll be fine, he'll be good, but he's not going to elevate you, he's not going to take you to that next level. Um... He's certainly not going to be the difference between not winning the Champions League and winning the Champions League if you're City. And I started thinking about some of the players that City have wasted money on over the years, and that then got me thinking about players that other clubs have uh, have wasted money on over the years. And so what I'm going to do today is go through each Premier League club and pick their worst Premier League era signing. Uh, now, I've tried to limit this to signings when the club was in the Premier League. So it's made it a little bit difficult for one or two. Um, but also, I'm trying to not have current players, as in players still at the club. Now, for a couple of them, it was just impossible to avoid that because, well, some of the signings have been so appalling. But for the most part, uh, I've managed to avoid players currently at the clubs. Um, so we'll start with Arsenal. We're going to run uh, A through W. We'll start with Arsenal. And there was some competition here. Uh, Honourable mentions would be Francis Jeffers, uh, Sebastian Squalagi, both 
dreadful signings in the Wenger era. Um, Jeffers a little bit unlucky with injuries, but bought to be a goal scorer, scored very few goals. Uh, Scolaggi brought to be a defender, couldn't defend. But the uh, the guy I'm going to go with is is Andre Santos, uh, the Brazilian left back, who was signed for a sum of seven million pounds, so a substantial fee, um, and played about thirty games, uh, thirty three games in total for the club. Most famous for swapping shirts with Robin van Persie um, at half time in a game against Manchester United. Just a dreadful, dreadful defender. Not good going forward. Uh, was quickly shunted out the door um, 18 months into his five-year contract, I believe it was, um, and, and never never was seen from again. He bounced around and played for some Brazilian clubs, went to India at one point, um, was in Switzerland at one point, but all things considered, it's a, a dark era in, in the history of Arsenal Football Club. Uh, a truly dreadful, dreadful signing. Uh, for Aston Villa, we're going with Darren Bent. Now, Darren Bent, when he was signed, was in the England squad. He was scoring regularly for Sunderland. Um, he'd gotten... 24 in, in 38 the, the, in the Premier League the season before his one full season with Sunderland. Remember, he, he'd been at Charlton. He'd done well. Um, he'd moved to Spurs, and he'd been a little bit hit and miss, but Sunderland had paid big money to get him. He'd gone there and done brilliantly. And then Villa, I believe in an effort to stave off relegation, spent a huge sum of money to sign him. And... He, it just didn't really work. I mean, in the first two seasons, the first season half, he did all right. Six, nine and 16 in his first half season was good. Uh, that gave him 17 goals in 36 Premier League games that season. But then after that, the wheels started to come off through injuries and poor form. Nine and 22 the next year. Three in uh, 16. Then they loaned him out for a year to Fulham. And it's never good when you've spent that kind of money on a player, giving them the long-term deal, and then you're loaning him out. And then the following season, they loaned him out twice again. And he ended up moving on to Derby on a free transfer. So they lost all their investment on him. Um, so Darren Bent is the one that I'm going to go with there. There's a lot of recent um, contenders for Aston Villa. You know, they've made a lot of questionable signings in recent weeks. An honourable mention for them, though, or recent years, I should say, an honourable mention for them would be David Unsworth. And you might have forgotten that David Unsworth did play for uh, West Ham, or for, for Villa. So Unsworth had obviously been at Everton, had gone to West Ham, chased that nice big money down south, had decided he wanted to move closer to Liverpool, where his wife and his kids were, and had made a decision to join Aston Villa. And within a month, had realized that he'd made a horrible error. Complained regularly about the commute from Birmingham to Liverpool. And was sold on to Everton without ever playing a game for Aston Villa. So David Unsworth is worthy of a shout. 
a guy has pointed out that they did once sign Tim Sherwood to be their manager. And that was a shocker. So, you know, he, it doesn't get much better. Um, Brighton obviously haven't spent a whole lot of time in the Premier League in their history, but they have signed some absolute clunkers. And the one I'm going to go with is Jurgen Lacadia, who is currently on loan with FC Cincinnati, uh, having been on loan at Hoffenheim last season, was signed by Brighton in January 2018 for $15 million, uh, with a potential uh, potential add-ons to that four-and-a-half-year contract. It, it just hasn't gone well. It has not gone well at all for Mr. Lacadia. Um he spent 18 months at the club. He scored six goals in 41 games in all competitions, three and 32 in the Premier League, sorry, three and 34 in the Premier League, uh, was loaned to Hoffenheim for the second half of, of last season, and uh, it just didn't go well. It didn't go well at all. So now he's been shipped off to MLS, and he's only 27, which is it's strange that he's already in MLS, and he was so highly rated when he was at um PS, PSV Eindhoven I, I do think he was kind of miscast when they signed him, I think they thought they were buying a number 9 and that's not what he is he's more of an inside forward uh, but it's been a disastrous signing, they're going to lose all of their money because nobody's going to give them a penny for him um, so Jurgen Lacadia for Brighton, uh, for Burnley it can only be Ben Gibson really club record signing at 15 million currently on loan at Norwich spent well, spent part of last season training by himself at Middlesbrough because he just didn't want to be at the club anymore. Um, he was signed to replace Michael Keane and, and be a partner for Tarkovsky long term. He has made one Premier League appearance. He cost £15 million. I would be amazed if they get more than £5 million back for him. He's a good defender, but it's just gone so toxic. Um, moving on then. To Chelsea, some some strong contenders for Chelsea. It must be said, and I know a lot of people will expect me to say Fernando Torres, but I think Shevchenko uh, is a bigger flop for Chelsea than Torres was. At least with Torres, you know they did win. Um, they did win the Champions League. Um, Shevchenko, though, like I mean. He was the best striker in the world when they signed him. He was incredible for Milan. You look at his goal-scoring record in Serie A, and he was just a machine. The last three seasons before they signed him, he scored 28, 26, and 28. And he was expected to be the, this you know, machine that would just carry them on to the Champions League, but it just didn't work in large part because Mourinho refused to change his system and played him as a right winger in a 4-3-3, which was comical to say the least, but not good for the career of, at the time, the best striker in the world. And it was a shame. It was. It was a terrible shame to see him come to the Premier League and struggle so badly and be so unhappy because he's a player that I think most people loved when, when he was with AC Milan and when he'd even been with, with Dinamo Kiev and that, that great Kiev team that had the Champions League run with him and Rebrov up front. And we will probably mention Rebrov later, I'd imagine. But um, he was such a great player, and it was it was a really tough time to watch him uh, struggle so badly in the Premier League. Honourable mention 
to Winston Bogard, though. I mean, you want to talk about grifters. This guy signs for Chelsea on a nice big fat deal in 2000 and barely bothers to play. I think he played 11 games in total in his four or five years at the club. Uh, Four years at the club. 11 games in total taking home an enormous salary, had gotten himself a big signing-on fee, and Chelsea tried everything to get him to leave. Like, they offered him to clubs on a free transfer. They refused to allow him to train with the first team. They then stopped letting him train with the reserve team and the youth team. They banned him from the training grounds. Uh, he just wouldn't He just wouldn't leave. His His quote was, the world is about money, so when you're offered those millions, you take them. Few people will earn so many. I'm one of the fortunate ones. I may be one of the worst one of the worst buys in the history of the Premiership, but I don't care. It's just outstanding. Just so blatant. He uh, he retired once his contract with Chelsea was up. Um, what a grift! Absolutely fantastic stuff. It shows Chelsea. We're throwing money around long before Roman and throwing it around quite badly. Uh, for Crystal Palace, it, it just has to be Benteke. It always has to be Benteke. Uh, you spent $30 million on him, and he's awful. Um, his first season, he did well, it must be said. 15 goals in 36 games. But since then, it has been an unmitigated disaster. He scored six goals in his last 70, sorry, his last 80 appearances. Six. It's, it's just not going well. And um, I believe this is the last year of his contract. In fact, this was the contract extension. Oh dear. Yeah, he signed a four year contract. <laughs> he signed a four-year contract and it ran out in the summer and they had to give him an extension because nobody was going to buy him so they would have lost their investment you're still going to lose your investment you're just going to pay him more money uh, honorable mention there would go to his brother who seemed to have been signed just to keep him company and also uh, emmanuel adebayor who was awful when he signed on loan so you know it is what it is uh, Everton, again, unfortunately, it's a player still at the club. He doesn't, doesn't really play for them anymore. Uh, Yannick Balassi signed from Crystal Palace for a fee of about $25 million. And it very quickly became apparent that it wasn't going to work. Now, he did have a couple of injuries, it must be said. I think he did his ACL. But um, he hasn't played in over two seasons for Everton. Hasn't kicked a ball for them. Uh, he's had three loan spells, one with Villa in the championship, one with Anderlecht, and last season with Sporting Lisbon. He couldn't establish himself as Sporting Lisbon as a starter. Uh, it has not gone well. He, he claims he's working hard and training hard, and hopefully he gets an opportunity to go and play somewhere else. Uh, it's a shame that this has happened because he was one of the, the really nice stories um, in the Premier League because he'd worked his way up. I mean, he didn't come through a fancy academy. He was at Hillingdon Borough in the Southern Division 1, South and West. And then he went and played in, in Malta. Then he was at, at 
Plymouth in the championship and in League One. Dropped down uh, to League Two with Barnet on loan. And that then kind of worked his way back up with Bristol in the championship, then on to Palace in the championship, into the Premier League. Had established himself in the Premier League, embarrassing Dejan Lovren on multiple occasions. Uh, and then got his big money moving. It has just been a disaster, an absolute disaster. Um, there are others you could go through for Everton, but we'll avoid a lot of the, the more recent ones. But Per Kraldrup, the Danish centre-back, is definitely worthy of a mention. He looked like he was going to be a world-beater when he arrived and then basically admitted that he was scared of the physicality of the Premier League and was sold off after about six months uh, at quite the loss. So, um, yeah, Yannick Balassi and Per Kraldrup, this is your day. Um, Fulham, it's hard to look past Jean-Michel Serry. It really is. He has just been a terrible signing for them, and he's a really good footballer. It just has not worked for him at Fulham for whatever reason. He's he's not registered in this year's squad. Um, He spent last year, obviously, on loan at Galatasaray. The previous season, they were just terrible. They signed far too many players. The team never clicked. And um, despite some good performance from him, it just didn't work out. But this is year three of his, what, four or five-year contract? Five, four-year contract with an option to extend. Well, they're not going to extend that contract. They will have to try and sell him. They can back from. Uh, it's such a shame because when he was at Nice, he had established himself as as a very, very good player. And there was a lot of clubs that were interested in him. Fulham did really well to get him. They paid $27 million. If they get 10 back, I'd be stunned. Uh, Honourable mentions for Fulham. Very hard to overlook Steve Marley. I love that his name is Steve, a Frenchman called Steve. Not Stefan, just Steve. Uh, he was awful for them. And um, Costas Mitroglou, who arrived with a great reputation as a goal scorer. Um, he'd been at Olympiacos for quite a while and was seen as as a big time goal scorer. They paid fifteen million for him. I think they very quickly realized the error of their ways. Um he played three games for Fulham. Three. They loaned him out to Benfica and then sold him at about a ten million pound loss. He's since bounced back and gone on to do very well for Benfica, earned a move to Marseille. But again, a big money move, it didn't work out. And they have loaned him out twice. Um, He was last seen at PSV Eindhoven. But uh, yeah, a a terrible signing for Fulham. Just did not work out at all. Three appearances. Zero goals. For Leeds United, it's there was a number of bad signings. I mean, you could look at Michael Jubry for one, but I think Seth Johnson is kind of the one that stands out. Um, they overpaid to get him from Derby, and because of their financial issues, they had to stop paying, stop playing him, or they would have had to pay Derby even more money for him. He didn't play well for them. He did have some injuries and was a little bit unfortunate, but all things considered, I think Seth, Art, Morris Johnson ranks as the worst Leeds United signing 
in the Premier League era while they were in the Premier League. They made some stinkers when they were in the lower leagues. Like some absolute stinkers. You should go and take a look at some of the players Leeds United wasted money on while in the lower leagues. Uh, it's little wonder it took them so long to come back up. For Leicester City, it can only be one man. It has to be Islam Slamani. It has to be. A club record signing at the time. I believe the fee was in the region of $35 million, uh, to Sporting Lisbon. He'd done brilliantly there. He'd scored 27 in 33 the season before they signed him. But that was a huge jump from what he'd ever really put forward before. So it did kind of look like a false dawn. Um, and it, as it turned out to be, it was very much that. Signs for Leicester. Scores 7 and 23 in the first season, but looks dreadful. Looks like a fish out of water. Um, halfway through the next season, he gets loaned by, Newcastle, by Leicester to Newcastle. Doesn't work out there. And he spent the last two seasons on loan at Fenerbahce and at Monaco, struggling to establish himself as first choice. But either uh, he is at Leicester this season. This is the last year of his contract. You'd imagine he will leave on a free after this season. Um, and that will just kind of close the door on a disastrous spell where they signed a bunch of players. Uh, they signed Silva as well. Uh, Adrian Silva. And he just wasn't very good for them either. And they, I know they ended up kind of getting Thielemans in a, a loan swap for him and then they did the Thielemans deal permanently but it, it that one just didn't work out they they lost a ton of money on him as well so all things considered uh, a, a bad period for Leicester after they had such great recruitment and, and before they once again would have great recruitment they just did go a little bit nuts there um, they did sign they did one sign Akin Bailly as well should be pointed out. Once for a club record fee, they signed Akin Bailly and he was terrible. He's too too busy, you know, getting a six-pack sorted and not concentrating on his football. Uh, for Liverpool, it has to be Lazar Markovic. It just has to be Lazar Markovic. Signed for 20 million. Uh, Brendan Rodgers clearly didn't want him at the time. He was clearly a signing by the much vaunted transfer committee, which has since gone on to prove themselves to be among the very best in football at identifying and signing talent. But Rodgers didn't really want him, used him as a wing back, made him a scapegoat for a lot of things, killed his confidence. And it, it just, it ruined the poor boy. It absolutely ruined him. Um, he ended up leaving on a free, uh, having spent loan spells at Fenerbahce, at Sporting Lisbon and at Hull. Uh, he ended up going on, on a free transfer to Fulham, where he played only once. He's gone back to Partizan Belgrade, where he began his career. And he's done all right there. He hasn't really established himself as a first-choice player, um, which is you know quite the drop to go from where he was uh, when Liverpool signed him and having played a huge part in that treble-winning Benfica team at nineteen twenty to, you know, now it was he 25, 26, um, he's 26. He's a squad player, a partisan Belgrade. Um, yeah, just it shows what bad management can do to a player. Um, honorable mentions of Liverpool, I think Andy Carroll is is definitely worthy of a mention here. Um, signed for big, big money and was never going to live up to that price. Just wasn't that level of player. Signed to replace Fernando Torres. And um, sold at a huge loss. Charlie Adam 
I think a lot of Liverpool fans would, would like mentioned here is another bad one. Um, Paul Konchesky, Christian Poulsen, Jovanovic. We could go on and on. Um, there's been a lot of bad ones. There was a lot of bad ones for a lot of years. Uh, for Manchester City, again, there's actually there's a, there's a lot of bad signings. A lo- Before City figured out what they were doing, there was a lot of bad signings. Um, the one I've gone for as their worst signing, though, is um, is Mangala, who, you know, if you saw him play for City, you know why. They paid somewhere in the region of about $42 million to buy him, and in return he played badly for two seasons, was then loaned out for a couple of seasons, and then released on a free. Never really settled into the Premier League. Looked like he would have had all the physical tools to play in the league, but he didn't have pace, and that was that was a big factor. Didn't read the game, couldn't deal with the, the physical side of it. And, um, yeah, unfortunately for him, he was bought by one manager who then left, and Guardiola had no real no real interest in trying to make it work with him. But, I mean, Mangala at Porto was, was very, very good, but maybe it should have been noted that he, he only played half of the two seasons he was there, um, 23 league games and 21 league games. So missed a lot of games and there was obviously some issues there with injury as well, but he's at Valencia now and wish him well. Hope he does. Hope he does well for them. Um, I think Roque Santa Cruz is worthy of an honorable mention here. A guy who for someone with so limited talent has had a really impressive career, but signed by Manchester city for 17 million. Uh, and then basically just spent his entire city career getting loaned out. Um, I think he played 25 times for them in total, 24 times, scored four goals, um, but just then just got loaned. Loans everywhere. He had 18 months at City, and the rest of his contract was just loan, 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 loan. Loans to Blackburn, Real Betis, and Malaga, uh, and then just sold off to Malaga for a nominal fee. Um, it might have even been a free transfer just to get rid of him. But uh, one of the one of those signings when City were trying to become something uh, under Mark Hughes that just didn't work out. For Manchester United, I think I think Alexis Sanchez has to be the one here, doesn't he? Um, you could mention Bebe, uh, but I think Alexis Sanchez is the one. Given the hype, given the the celebration that they had uh, beaten Manchester City to his signature, the half a million pounds a week or so that they agreed to pay him, it just turned out to be a disaster. They then had to pay him to pay to play for somebody else, and then they had to pay him to go away, which was just you know a fitting end to a disaster. And if the stories are true that you know he. Halfway through his first training session, he was turning around and cribbling, crying about wanting to go back to to Arsenal. Well, it's his own fault. He forced his move, and he got really what what he deserved. He got what he deserved. He had a a terrible time. He pouted. He cried. He whinged. He moved for the money, and um, it it worked out how it worked out. Eighteen months, three goals, thirty two Premier League games. All things considered, an absolute disaster. Um, Newcastle United, Marcelino is the clear and obvious choice for me here. Uh, a dreadful, dreadful signing. Seven million, 
and uh, he played 17 Premier League games across four, uh, four years. Had some time with injuries, but he was dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. He could not defend to save his life. The other one I'd mention is uh, Facundo Ferrara, signed on loan from um, Shakhtar Donetsk for a year. They paid, I think, a three million pound loan fee, and they paid his entire wages, which was about forty grand a week, and he played zero games, none, didn't feature at all. Said he couldn't adapt to life in England, couldn't couldn't deal with the physicality of it all. Um, yeah, so all things considered, not one of Newcastle's better investments. But not quite as bad as Marcelino, who was truly dreadful. Um, Sheffield United was the toughest one because obviously they've been in the Premier League so little. And I wanted to sign somebody, or I wanted to pick somebody that they'd signed while in the Premier League. Uh, so I've gone with Luton Sheldon, or Shelton. Luton Shelton signed... Um, Signed from Helsingborg for about three million pounds. He made nineteen appearances for the club. Scored one goal. He was brought in to be a goal scorer. And he very, very quietly left about a year and a bit just just over a year and a bit later, uh, heading back to Norway to Tippelgang for about a million quid. So the Blades took a two million loss on him. Uh, he was atrocious when he was there. He was he was meant to be. He was highly rated, very highly rated coming out of Sweden, but um, yeah, didn't work out at all. But it was very slim pickings with them because they haven't been in the Premier League long enough. And I didn't want to pick anyone that's currently there. So um, yeah, Luton Shelton, look him up. Um, Southampton, I I actually couldn't separate. Two players, so they've got two. Uh, no honourable mention, just two. Guido Carrillo is the first one. Nineteen million pounds, a disaster from start to finish. Ten games, zero goals scored. Spent two full years on loan, and then had his contract terminated uh, because they just realised he was well. Useless, really. Uh, and the other one is Danny Osvaldo, who, again, they spent big, big money on um, in around $13 million. He got into a couple of fights with opponents, got into a couple of fights with his teammates, um, did score uh, some some decent goals, uh, Was is a, is, a, is a good player, you know, but in total, made 13 appearances, um, got loaned out a couple of times, including to Boca Juniors, which was just all a bit strange, and then had his contract terminated. Um, retired a few years later, and then made a comeback uh, with Banfield this year. Um, but he, he would imagine... He has not been very good for them, so you'd imagine he'll be retiring again soon. He retired in 2016 to focus on his music career. That's that's really strange. Um, he had his contract 
contract terminated by Boca Juniors. So he was he went on loan there from Southampton after Southampton uh, released him. He went to Porto and then went to Boca, and Boca fired him after he was caught smoking in the dressing room. Sounds like a guy who took his career real seriously. Um, yeah, Danny Osvaldo and Guido Carrillo, a sum total of 32 million. Guy is saying Ali Dia, that's just one of the comedy stories of the Premier League, and he deserves more respect than that, Mr. Drinkle. Uh, but that's 32 million uh, of, of the, the Queen's pounds spent and zero return on the field and in terms of uh, monetary compensation when the players leave. For Spurs, I had to go with Roberto Soldado. Um, £26 million signing, and he scored seven goals. Now, he scored some goals in the Europa League and stuff. Nobody cares. He was a disaster in the Premier League, and they lost a huge amount of money. Uh, selling him on. I think they got about eight, nine million for him when he went to Villarreal. Um, he just looked completely out of place in the Premier League, couldn't deal with the pace of it, couldn't deal with the physical nature of it. And when he did sort of adapt and his all round game started to come around, he just couldn't score goals. So um, Roberto Soldado, you could mention a few. Darren Bent, I think it would be worthy of mention here. Um, did all right, but not up to the level of what they they would have expected when they spent a lot of money. Vincent Janssen, they paid $17 million for. I think he left on a free. Uh, Roman Pavlyuchenko, another one, just disaster. Um, Sergei Rebrov, they did really just... Spurs spent a long time signing strikers who weren't very good. And a lot of money. For West Brom, then, um, Brown Adea, I think, is the only option here. Um, signed from Dinamo Kiev. He was expected to score the goals to keep them up. Uh, they spent $10 million, a club record fee at the time. Um, he scored four goals in 24 Premier League games and then left to join Olympiacos. Apparently, the lure of... Champions League football is the reason he left. I would imagine it was also West Brom saying, please get out of our club. You are absolutely useless. Um, yeah, Brown, a day, a dark day in the history of West Brom and Chalbion Football Club. Uh, for West Ham, once again, we are mentioning Andy Carroll right here. They spent 15 million having paid a two million loan fee to get him. And um look, there was times when he played and he was he was decent. He had that that one season uh where he scored nine goals, but other than that he was injured, he was poor. I don't think they got anywhere close to the goal return. They had to give him a second contract. He cost them an absolute fortune. And in the end they just said goodbye and waved him on his way and he went to Newcastle where he has played twenty two games and not yet scored a goal. So, um, Andy Carroll, yeah, I mean, what anybody was thinking 10 years ago when big bags of money started being passed around for Andy Carroll, I have no idea. Um, the funniest part of the Carroll thing, though, is when Golden Sullivan bought West Ham, Kieran Dyer was there, and Kieran Dyer 
had obviously been a really talented player at Ipswich and at Newcastle, had gotten into the England squad, made his, you know, made his debut, played a couple of games, and had had some injury problems. And then Newcastle, and then West Ham spent six million to buy him, gave him a substantial contract because that's, you know, what you do. And um, he was just always injured. I think he played thirty games across his time with the club. Um, and Golden Sullivan lamented publicly multiple times, not blaming the player, but just using his contract as an example of the mismanagement of the finances of the club prior to their arrival, trying to show the struggle that they had inherited and what they were trying to overcome. And uh, then they went and did the Andy Carroll deal. And then they followed that up by signing Jack Wilshire. So, you know, you arrived cribbing and crying about the club signing injured players and paying them a fortune, and you've done exactly the same. Well done. Um, last but not least, then, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, this is difficult because their 18 most expensive signings all happened since 2016. So most of the players are still at the club, but the one that stands out as a flop uh, is Patrick Catrone of... Um, Currently of Fiorentina on loan. Um, signed in, in July 2019 for around 18 million. It just never worked at all for him. Uh, he'd come from AC Milan where he'd developed a decent reputation. Him and Pietek had a decent partnership going. They decided they couldn't play with both. In the end, they ended up selling both of them off anyway. Um, but he played... 12 league games for Wolves and scored two goals and was loaned out within six months. Sent on an 18-month loan. So, all things considered, that one turned out to be a disaster for Wolves. They're going to lose a ton of money when they sell him. He hasn't been he hasn't been particularly good for Fiorentina. Um, he was never a big goal scorer to begin with and Wolves signed him off the back of a season where he scored three goals in 34 league games. Now, the season before, he had gotten 18 and 46 in all competitions. So that's probably what they were banking on. But, um, yeah, just it didn't work. It did not work at all. He is, of, of their big money signings, he is the one that stands out like a sore thumb. They've largely spent their money quite well or on yet to be proven, kind of like Fabio Silva type. Um, but that one, that one just stands out as a disaster. So, yeah, Patrick Catrona, um, the the worst signing of by Wolves in the Premier League era, and that's it. That is all twenty teams. Um, next Wednesday, I might do best signing or best value signing or something. Um, let me know what you want what you want me to talk about. But um, tomorrow will be Twitter Thursday as always. So do uh, do tweet me your questions. I will be requesting them in the morning. But if you want to send them on to me in the meantime, please do. And that is everything. That is Wednesday, the 25th of November in the books. Thank you to Fox Haunt, as always, for the title music. Thank you to Guy Drinkle for his great work on this podcast. And thank you to you for listening every day, as you do, uh, and showing the support, which is very, very uh, gratefully received by myself. I will speak to you all tomorrow. Have yourselves a wonderful day. Take care. Bye-bye.
Podcast Network.